Blog Talk Radio. Hello and Happy New Year. It is 12.30 p.m. on January 4th, and you are listening to Journey into Passion with me and S on Everyday Folks Radio. Thank you for tuning in to my first show for 2017. Welcome to any first-time listeners, and thank you so much to those of you who have been regularly tuning in. This will be the first of two shows this week. My second show will air this Saturday at my regularly scheduled program, programming time at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Welcome to your Encouragement and Inspiration Hour, where information is provided to help you as you go on your journey towards your passions. You can also visit my Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash journeyintopassion with a Nikkei S. For more information on this show and to see my various posts that I hope will inspire you. Special shout out to Tammy, who is celebrating her birthday today. Happy birthday, Tammy. Enjoy the day. Now, don't forget that Billy Jones will return this Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and that's January 8th, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't miss his show on What's in Store for 2017. I have some fun, inspiring, and exciting things planned for 2017, which includes the launch of my health and fitness series this Saturday. So make sure you tune in for that, and mark your calendars, because February 11th, I, you don't want to miss this show. I'm going to have museum curator Dr. Joanne Hippolyte, who worked on the National Museum of African American History and Culture. So you don't want to miss this conversation. And now for my grateful moment. Today I am thrilled to have Dr. Amos Johnson, founder of Church for Entrepreneurs and the author of Take Control of Your Financial Destiny, Nine Christian Entrepreneurship Principles to Developing a God-Inspired Business which is now available on Amazon. I like to have people on the show who are not only on their own journeys towards their passions, but also have a heart for helping others and the wealth of knowledge to provide. And and today, my guest possesses both. If you have a question or would like to share a comment, make sure you call 347-539-5372 or send an email to anikepassionjourney at gmail.com. All right. And Dr. Johnson, welcome to the show. I think I have you on. Are you with yep, me? Can you hear me? I'm with you. Can you hear me? Oh, yes. Yes, I can. Thank you so much. Do you mind if I call you Amos? Yes, that's the best way to call me. Yep. <laughs> okay, excellent, excellent. All right, so we have a lot to cover, so I'm just going to dive right in. First, I want to ask you your um, educational background. Where did you receive your doctorate, and what was your concentration? Well, so I got my, I got my Ph.D. from um, the Georgia Institute of Technology in Atlanta, Georgia, and my area of specialty was in um, artificial intelligence. Now, my actual degree will say electrical engineering, but when you get your Ph.D., you kind of have this kind of general title, and you have to kind of have your specific kind of concentration. But so my specific mm-hmm. concentration was kind of in artificial intelligence, but the general degrees in electrical engineering. Okay, excellent. Now, in addition to being an author, podcaster, and business owner, you're also a professor at Morehouse, and you're teaching computer science. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. Yep. I've been doing this since okay. 2005. And how, 2005, okay. Yeah. And so out of all the things that you, that you do, what do you enjoy doing the most? Uh, <clears throat> I think I enjoy doing the podcast the most, all the stuff I do. Um, I enjoy writing computer programming code, but I think I like podcasting um, the most out of all things I do. Okay, excellent. And so for those of you who are not familiar, he has a podcast, pod, podcast called Church for Entrepreneurs, and it's, uh, you can find it at uh, churchforentrepreneurs.com. And when can people tune into these podcasts? Well, the podcast, I don't have actual – specific day and time I release them. I just release them as kind of host spirit kind of gives me um, inspiration. So we do about three, one to three episodes per week, but y'all just go to the website and see the latest one that's, that's there. 
or you can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, and you can see what we have in, um, have on, on Dot in, in the archive. Okay, excellent. And when did you first become an entrepreneur? Um, I don't, I don't actually quite remember probably the first time. I think the first thing I did for money was back when I was in grad school, I became a wedding videographer, you know, and the reason I did that, because like uh, in my research, I worked a lot of video cameras a lot. This was back in like um, the late nineties. And so I said, Hmm, I got all the skills and video processing stuff. Maybe I can make some money on the side doing it. So I just start recording people's wedding and editing for them. Okay. Now you have various businesses. Um, can you kind of name a few of them? Um, <clears throat> most of the ones I most of the ones I've done are, are I've, I've closed down. But a couple of things I did. Um, probably the first first thing I did um, was I wrote a textbook, and I was trying to market and sell that to um, to uh, to uh, high schools here in Atlanta. Um, a, a thing I did with me and my wife, we did this service called Baby Birth Call. So basically, you know, you can imagine pre Facebook, pre smartphone, all those good stuff when. When you gave birth to a baby, what happened was somebody had to spend a whole bunch of time calling everybody, telling them that the baby was born back in the days. So me and my wife, we had this idea where let's use call, call blast technology where you just you give us your message and we blast out the message when a baby is born um, to everybody in your list. So me and my wife, we, we started that company um, in early uh, 2000. Um, um, I had a self-publishing company. I used to publish uh, people's books. Um, I did a, I did an actual a, a, a blog site called this is gonna sound funny it was called the exceptional woman so it was about eight it was about eight of us right so uh, it was about uh, it was, uh, no it was about four families so uh, all husband and wives and we all got together and we started this website called the exceptional woman and we were blogging about stories of women living exceptional lives and so we did that from 2011 to about 2012 um, and also have done some um, website uh, web web consulting. So those are uh, some of the things I've, I've been into. Okay, you've been into a lot. That's that's. So now yeah. with with your very with your various businesses and and well, the various things that you're doing now, and of course your fa- your father, your 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 um a father of uh, two daughters, ages three and seven, and 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 as well as a husband. How do you manage? How do you how do you do that work life? Um, uh, Business life manage management. How do you do that? What I um, I didn't do it well in the past, but this is what I kind of came to um, over the last year. I've I've had to just say, okay, I have to dedicate a certain block of time to each thing I do, and once that time is up, I can't do no more. Right. So I'm, I'm getting okay. to the point. I'm, get, I'm trying to get to the point where I say, okay, if I got three hours here, I'm podcasting. If I got six hours here um, at Morehouse College, or if I'm taking my little girls to school from seven to nine, I'm doing that, right? So I had to get used to time blocking, whereas before, and really the problem is before I got married, my life was just one big activity. I just did whatever I wanted to do. But now that I'm married with kids, I had to really learn how to kind of block out my time. And, um, and so that's kind of what I've, I've kind of come to is just really setting aside time and just believe in God that, okay, if I only have five hours a week to work on these projects, then those are going to be anointed five hours, basically. Okay, okay. Sorry, I think there's a little background noise. It's kind of interfering with the uh, feed. I don't know if you okay, hear I, that. Yeah, I know what it is. Okay. Let, me, let me fix that for you. Yeah, I know exactly what Okay. 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 It, it should sound better now. <laughs> it should sound okay. better now. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Now you have said that you're, you have a call on your life to help Christian entrepreneurs succeed at their calling, and you created the Church for Entrepreneurs, which includes some very powerful podcasts, which is how I got to know you. And mm-hmm. so, when you first created these podcasts, what were your first thoughts, your first hopes for these particular podcasts? Um, so, when I first got ideas back in 2014 for the Church for Entrepreneurs podcast. And my hope for these podcasts was to be a place for Christian entrepreneurs to be trained in the word of God from like an entrepreneur perspective. Um, Because what I realized was that a lot of the content that we were consuming was pretty much non-biblical and non-spiritual content. 
And so I realized that we were lacking some just basic spiritual understanding about the Bible and how it relates to our calling, that once we unlock that, that would grow our faith so we could be successful in our ocular ventures. So that's what kind of was the hope behind creating the podcast. Actually, the Church of Entrepreneurs technically is my second podcast because um, my first podcast was called The Christian Entrepreneur Show. And it was basically just me interviewing people and just talking about kind of the nuts and bolts of business. And, but, the, but that kind of morphed into what we have now, which is the Christian, which is the Church of Entrepreneurs, which is kind of a pure word teaching um, podcast. Okay. All right, let's dive into the first question that we have. It comes from uh, Kip in Atlanta, Georgia, and she asks, why do you think Christians are afraid of executing their faith when it comes to entrepreneurship? Executing their faith. She she could mean two different things with that that question. Let me me answer the first one. So if she means Mm -hmm. executing her faith in terms of um, stepping out into what God has called them to do in business, uh, one of the fears I found that people have is that the fear of making a mistake, of being wrong, mm-hmm. a fear of hearing yeah. God wrong. And so that, that really holds a, back a lot of Christian entrepreneurs is that they spend a lot of time debating back and forth if God actually said this or God didn't say this instead of just mm-hmm. executing. Um, so just the fear of making a mistake kind of holds a lot of Christians back. Now, another way to go with that question is, like, we're afraid to show our faith in the marketplace too sometimes as Christian entrepreneurs because we're afraid that we'll lose business if we're kind of showing our faith, which kind of gets into a bigger discussion of should you let people know you're a Christian in business or should you just kind of fly on the radar? You know, so those are the two different ways mm-hmm. kind of that kind of plays stuff out in the marketplace. Yeah, because so, sometimes you feel like it can actually hurt your business because people might start thinking, oh, I don't know if I can deal with this person, right? Yep, yep. So, um, so yeah, so that's the thing I've been thinking about for a while. Like for some people, um, you know, their call to put the brand Christian on their business, and for other people, their call is just to be XYZ company, right? And it's just called right. to do a great service, right? So I think people got to kind right. of really tune in to how God's leading them and calling them for that particular um, venture. Okay. And another question she has is, how important do you feel entrepreneurship is in the African-American community? Well, I, think, I think it's very important. Um, I think it's very important just because of the uh, racial issues that we had in this country. Um, one of the reasons that a lot of African-Americans are not successful financially is because of what I call um, institutional like racism, right? So like this is like racism mm-hmm. that – People don't really know it exists. It just exists because of just just of, because of relationships, right? So, for example, you know, I work at Morehouse College. It's a black uh, institution. It only serves black males, right? So, when somebody, mm-hmm. so if you can imagine, the faculty look like black males, right? You know, so there's right. an inherent bias towards other African Americans. So you can imagine that you have a white CEO who doesn't really know any minority people and they have an affinity towards people of like culture. Right. And just because they're mm-hmm. in the, uh, in power is just that they'll, they'll gravitate towards people that's like them. So a lot mm-hmm. of uh, minorities are kind of boxed out of that system just because they don't have the, the connections. They didn't go to the same schools. Um, they didn't go to the right um, country clubs. You know, they just don't have those, those social connections because, you know, we're just now, maybe 50 years away from, like, uh, desegregation, right? So still a lot of things need to take place in this country. But with entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship to me really levels the playing field because entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. is really all about can you find a product that the market values and can you sell it to them? You know, that's really the only question about entrepreneurship. So it doesn't really have a black, white, Asian, Indian. It's really about value for value. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so if you want to become an entrepreneur and one of the things that you are just not good at is sales, you, you, you're really afraid of that part of it, but you know you're going to have to do something in that area, what kind of advice mm-hmm. do you have for that person? I would say go try to go to like start a garage sale or something like that mm-hmm. and try to ne- mm-hmm. and negotiate prices at garage sales all day long. 
<clears throat> so you have okay. to kind of get used to the selling environment. So just or just try to take a go go work at a used car lot, right? You know, just, just go take a job on a hundred percent commission at a used car lot, right? And just learn mm-hmm. to just get used to negotiating and selling things to people because most most people don't have the skill the sales skills because we are in occupations that don't require a sales skill, right? So right. we have to kind right. of intentionally put ourselves in an environment to 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 kind of practice that skill. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so what do you feel are some of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make? Um, I think some of the big one the biggest thing I think entrepreneurs should make is that they get too they get too fancy with their idea, right? You mm-hmm. know, instead of just selling like shoes, you know, they want to sell like moon boots or something, right? You know, so like they get really too too fancy with it, right? So yeah. it's you get you got to realize that if people have not heard of your creative name or your creative product, that's a harder sell than selling them something they already know about and already familiar about. So mm-hmm. it's a much easier sell to sell somebody something that they already know. So like the story, uh, <clears throat> so like if you look at it in, 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 the, in the Bible, it's a story about the, the, a widow woman, and she was in debt, and, she, and her two kids were about to be taken for, for slaves. And the man of God, Elijah, said, what do you have in the house to sell? And she said, I have oil. And notice when I learned from that story was that oil was a common commodity. So that was like easy to sell, right? That wasn't a difficult process to sell. Now, a hard thing to sell is that you say, I'm going to write my own book, and I want to sell that. Now, that's a hard sell because that's a creative endeavor, and most people are not looking for your book. So I think a lot of times with entrepreneurship, we're selling things that, in my mind, just too hard to sell because it takes too much explanation and it takes too much marketing to kind of really get people interested and used to the product sometimes. So what if you, what if you are a writer and you do want to, and you're new, and you, you really do want to sell your book? Do you have any advice for that person? Yeah, yeah. So I've been thinking about this a lot. The writers, authors, bloggers, podcasters, anybody that's in any type of creative expression of thoughts, I think we have to first recognize what kind of business we're truly in, right? When somebody say they want to be an author, that's almost like saying, I want to move to California and get discovered and be a movie star, right? That's literally what you're in. You're in that type of media space. We don't realize it, but we're in that type of space because for you to really be financially successful with your product, you need thousands upon thousands of people knowing who you are and purchasing your products, I mean, so if you're writing a book for like a $10, 10 to $12 book, you need thousands upon thousands of sales, right? So I mm-hmm. think authors and bloggers and podcasters need to go into this with the mindset is that we need to become, what I like to use the word, a minor celebrity, right? So like we're not like Brad Pitt or anything like that, but we need to be known mm-hmm. because if we're not known, we have no sales, we may, we, we may help a few people, but if we really want to be successful in this career, being an author, a speaker, a blogger, you know, we really need a bigger, bigger audience in order to kind of get this message out to you. So I think that's the first realization I think any new writer, podcaster you can go into this with is that, you know, because of the nature of this creative endeavor, you know, we're fighting for people's attention because we want to yeah. um, send our ideals to them, right? And that's a hard proposition. Right. You know, movie houses mm-hmm. make like ten movies, and only one movie is successful, right? You know, so it's not mm-hmm. an easy thing to do. Now, with that said, the next thing, you need to, next thing, next advice for for a writer is I would tell them to be more focused in their target market. So don't write a book for everybody. Write a book for a very select group of people, and that very select mm-hmm. group of people will make your writing more targeted, and it'll make the marketing of a book a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And what are some? Do you have any advice on what kind of ways that somebody could kind of figure out who their, t- their target market is? Um, it's not really a way to figure it out. It's more like you have to decide on who you want to serve. Mm-hmm. All right. You mm-hmm. know. So for me, I you know God kind of told me that I'm to serve Christian entrepreneurs, and I'm particularly serving Christian entrepreneurs who are in the process of starting their business or in the process of thinking about starting a business. 
you know, I'm not really called to serve entrepreneurs who are Christian who are already making $100 million a year, right? I have – I can right. give them advice, but my main focus is at that that inception of the idea and how to get that into the marketplace, right? Okay. And so that was a target demographic that I chose based on what Holy Spirit was telling me. And now once I chose that demographic, then that kind of sets the tone for prices and offerings and all the other stuff. Excellent. Now, if you're just tuning in, I am talking to Dr. Amos Johnson of Church for the Entrepreneurs. And if you have any questions during the, today's broadcast, please send them to Journey at gmail.com or call 347-539-5372. And also, I want to start getting into your book now. You wrote a book called okay. Take Control of Your Financial Destiny, which is available on Amazon and can be especially ordered in bookstores. That's all bookstores that, that, that are still available, right? Yep. Okay, excellent. Now, I like the nine, now, the subtitle, The Nine Christian, uh, nine Christian Entrepreneurship Principles to Developing a God-Inspired Business. And I like, those, I like them, but I, we don't have time to go through all of them, but I just kind of wanted to pick a couple. And um, I'm going to start with principle one, know the spiritual fundamentals of entrepreneurship to create a solid foundation. And you start with getting rich. Now, of course, I don't, I don't know anybody who really doesn't want to get rich. And so what do Christians, need, Christians really need to know here? Um, well, the first part of getting rich is accepting. For most Christians, if they're really honest, they, gotta, they have a block, most of them, about actually money as Christians sometimes. Because right. in the Christian community, money has been uh, associated with evil, Right. Um, mm-hmm. People say uh, money is the root of all evil, right? They'll say stuff like that, right? Or they have these concepts that, okay, I need to give it all away. All right, if I, I don't want to get too much because then I'm going to change some kind of way. So the first right. thing you have to accept is it's okay to be rich and God wants you to be rich. I think that's the first thing that most Christians have to accept. And and that fundamental chapter there is like just kind of really shot a shame that hey god wants you to be rich god wants you to be successful right god because basically being rich basically means you have more choices right which means that if you want to go fly to florida tomorrow you can go to florida tomorrow if you want to put your kids in a certain school you can put your kids in a certain school really wealth means choices more more than anything else so so in terms of just getting rich, I think as Christians, we have to realize that God desires for us to have a prosperous life, and it's not a dirty word. Right. Now, under the second principle, speaking of the whole money is evil thing, you talk about the love of money because a lot of people mm-hmm. actually misquote that. Uh, Timothy 6 and 10, they always say money is the root of all mm-hmm. evil, and it's actually the love of money. They always get that, that wrong, and so I'm glad that you actually um, brought that up. Now, um, under principle three, grasping the basics of business to create a profitable business. Now, and, of course, we talked earlier about, um, you know, the mistakes that um, Christian um, entrepreneurs um, make. And so, Mm -hmm. and you you also talked about uh, being poverty-minded. What's something else that makes a Christian business just fail? So, so, so many things. Um, um, I, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry for coughing, getting over cold. Um, oh, okay. The now let's talk about that the, the poverty mindset a little bit, right? Because I think that's that that's that's so critical, right? I've seen right. so many businesses that they, they want to be in business, but they want to get the hookup on everything for their business, right? Yeah. And you know, so and, and so in the book, I kind of give the story of the, of the t-shirt design person I met, right? So they had a t-shirt business. And they were selling uh, these uh, custom-made T-shirts. So they they got the hookup from a graphic designer that was giving them like dirt cheap prices, right? And mm-hmm. one day, like like it always happens with the hookup, is that you can't find the person. You can't find that person that disappeared off the face of the earth some kind of way. She couldn't get in contact with him anymore, right? So now right. she had to go get a quote from a real graphic designer, and she was like sticker shock, and it literally put mm-hmm. her out of business right, as a T-shirt designer, right? 
because what she was doing was she was basing her business on the hookup, and what I say, when I call a hookup is a false sense of security, right? So you, your business is based on a level of pricing that's not really true for the marketplace, and you're just one blip away from this not working anymore, right? So, you know, so that whole party mindset comes in is when you're trying to get the hookup for every piece of your business, right? And instead of hiring a web designer, you know, you want somebody to do it for for free, right? So it's almost like you're sowing like negative seeds, right? Because you need people to pay for your products and services, but you don't want to pay for other people's products and services, right? So you have mm-hmm. to kind of get in that mindset of buying stuff yourself, right? That's mm-hmm. needed for your business so other people can buy from you. Right. Um, another mindset that I think Christians get into is the purpose versus I need money right now debate. So now the purpose mm-hmm. of the debate is that God has given you a purpose in life, and he wants you to execute that purpose. However, you may be in a season of life where you're just broke and you just need money, right? And there's no bigger right. purpose than what God told you to do in order to just go make money. So that story right. with the lady who had oil, there was no bigger purpose for that story other than she needed the money and she had oil, so she's supposed to sell oil, right? There was no grander vision involved in that, right? So as Christian entrepreneurs, we kind of need to kind of see where we are on that spectrum. If we're, you know, we're about to be evicted tomorrow, now is maybe not be the time to talk about purpose. Now is the time to talk about what can you sell, what can you do to make money. And once you kind of come out of that state, then we can start talking about things like purpose and callings and things like that. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. Now, um, in principle five, you talk about choosing the correct business entity to protect your personal mm-hmm. assets. And in the world of social media, there's a whole lot of sharing. People share, share, share. And sometimes yeah. you may share just a little bit too much. So the whole idea of making sure that you protect your, your business and, and know the right um, business you know, entities to go into from sole proprietorship to limited liability. And so, um, you know, somebody who's just starting out in business, you know, those, those terms mean absolutely nothing to them. They have no idea what that even means. And of course, you mm-hmm. talk about it in your book, but where can they get more information on those different um, terms? Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, so definitely pick the book up. I kind of go a lot of detail about those terms. Um, I would recommend this for the person that's just – now, this is, this is an American recommendation, so you, you may have people listening outside the U.S. This may not apply. But if you live inside the United States, if you're going to start a business um, and you want to protect yourself as a legal entity, the quickest and cheapest way to do that is with a LLC. It should only take you about you know, it take it should take less than two weeks to set one up. So what I would do is just go ahead and just pick a name, you know, don't, don't stress over it too much, you know, XYZ uh, LLC, and just go ahead and pick the name, get become legal, get a bank account, and just just do that within like two weeks. And that'll that'll protect you from most stuff, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Now, in terms of yeah, so in terms of intellectual property type stuff, now that's a little bit more difficult. Now, if you're an author, now the moment you write something, of your of your artist, the moment you draw something and put it in print or in digital, is copywritten at that moment in time. So it's not really a, a, an additional legal step you have to take, unless you want to. But because the moment you produce the content is yours. Um, okay. Now, if you need something that requires a patent, I would think long and hard about that business because you need if you need to get a, a ideal patent, you need to make sure you have the, enough financial um, wherewithal to make that happen because that's not a cheap process. Right. Right. Okay. Excellent. All right. So I am talking to Dr. John. I'm sorry, I'm saying it wrong. Amos Johnson on Journey into Passion with Amy KS on Everyday Folks Radio. And if you have any questions, please call 347-539-5372 or send an email to Journey at gmail.com. Now, we're, right now we're going through, if you're just tuning in, we're going through the principles from his book, Take Control of Your Financial Destiny, Nine Christian Entrepreneurship Principles to Developing a God-Inspired Business. And so we left um, off with the five, and now what I want to do is go into um, marketing because we, we touched a little bit about that, and, of course, that's, mm-hmm. if you're a creative person, 
that's more of a scary thing because, you know, technical things and scary things are two of the most um, frightening things if you're just a creative. You just want to create, create, create. I know that personally. And so um, and you talked about, um, of course, you know, um, garage sales and, and forcing yourself into sales environments. And mm-hmm. so when you start, when you first start to um, gain clients and somebody's, you know, somebody might, or somebody's interested in your product, what are the, some of the first things that you need to start doing once, once you start get, get, gaining interest in what you're doing? Well, gaining interest is actually pretty hard um, in the first mm-hmm. place. Um, so you probably need to step back a couple of stages. Because um, once, so, so like, you got to think of the difference between marketing and sales. Um, marketing is what attracts people to you, and sales mm-hmm. is what persuades those people to buy what you're selling. That's how you got to look at those right. two processes, right? So the first thing is you need to get people to you first, right? And so that's the whole marketing piece in itself. Like, you got to ask them a couple questions. Like, first of all, who are you selling to? You know, what's that target market and being very focused, right? And then what could you do to attract those people to you? And then once you attract them to you, what's your words to say to persuade them to buy what you're selling, right? And mm-hmm. and that right. process is pretty much your marketing and sales, sales process. Now, what a lot of mm-hmm. people do is they, they build a product that they think the marketplace wants, and then they just go say, will you buy my thing? And usually when you do that, the answer is no, right, because you yeah. haven't really built up the relationship, you haven't built up the trust to actually be able to kind of ask that question. Um, so – if you if let, let's let's start from ground zero, if you have a product idea in your mind, the first thing you want to do is go talk to ten people. Go talk to ten people that could potentially be your customer and just share the idea that you have and get their feedback. And and don't be afraid that somebody will steal it, because you don't really know if somebody even want to buy it yet. So you have to just share your ideas with these ten people. And then once you mm-hmm. share those ideas with those 10 people, get feedback, and then go find five more other people and see who get those five people to pre-buy the idea, right? Can you get okay. them to give you money right now for that, what you, what you want to sell, right? And so that mm-hmm. process will kind of help you redefine uh, your idea and what you're kind of called to sell. Now, now, once you get people interested in actually purchasing your thing, now, that's where you got to really kind of pick up the ball for this, this whole concept of customer service, right? You know, can you really deliver the product to that person on time the way you promise it to them? Because if you can't, you're going to kill your business, all right? Mm-hmm. You know, so you got to be able to handle, handle that thing. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Now, um, you, talk to, you talk about making your vision plain. I love my vision board um, and uh, writing lists. And so, I, you know, I, I definitely like the idea of just making it plain. This is what I want to do. This is where I see myself in a year, two years, five years. This, this is, I have it very, very plain. And so mm-hmm. when you actually started, did you start with a vision board yourself or how did you, how did you make it plain for you? Um. So for me, the way I make it plain is kind of funny. I do it backwards. I, I, I build websites to make it plain for myself. So it's kind of mm-hmm. – now, I, I don't suggest it for everybody, but just because I'm in technology, I know how to build websites. So, like, what I do is I build a website, and I look at the site itself and, and see if the site makes sense to me, right? You know, mm-hmm. like, I, I'll tell my wife that I, – I'll tell my wife and my mom, actually, that they actually the church entrepreneur's website – I probably look at it more than anybody else because the website itself for me is my mission statement and it and it sh- and it shares exactly what I'm called to do. So like I'll make little wording tweaks on the site that doesn't really make a big difference to the other people but for me it makes a huge difference because it helps me to keep it plain, right? right. So like when I read the site if one word seems wrong, then I'm confused, then I change it, right? So for me Looking at a website is my making it plain. For other people, I definitely think you should write it down in some form and, and create some type of mock-up of the thing that you're, you want to build and let that be your kind of 
touch point to this is the thing that I want to have. Like, even if you got to cut out little pieces and, like, say, put on a board, like, you want to be able to visually see the thing that you're trying to build or the yeah. thing that you're trying to do. So that, so to me, that helps you keep it plain. And the other piece mm-hmm. of the whole puzzle in that scripture about write the vision and make it plain, it says so that they may run that readeth it, right, too, right? So if you're mm-hmm. when you get ready to bring on help, if you don't have it clear to the point in your mind, then it's not going to be clear when you hand it to somebody else so they're not going to be able to help you, right? At some right. point, you're right. going to need help with your vision, right? So right. The, the clearer you can make the vision, the easier it is for you to bring on help to help with the vision. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, in December, I started Use Your Gifts series, and um, actually this is the series finale of that today. I'm closing it out okay. with you. And I just feel like it's such an important conversation. I'm, I'm definitely going to revisit it later on this year. But, um, you know, just like everything else, you've got to keep moving forward. And so what I, one of the things I, I talk about, if, if you've been looking at my Facebook page, um, you've noticed that I have uh, posts that uh, have user gifts list. Um, what you, um, I talk about networking, surrounding yourself with, with folks that are going in, in the same direction and using your gifts to realize your passions. And so one of the things I want to ask you is, when did you first discover your own gifts and how did you use them? Uh, interesting question, interesting question. Um, I first discovered my gift of helping Christian entrepreneurs probably around 2008. And I discovered that when I was at church and my pastor needed to start up a business ministry. Um, And what I realized that the business ministry that we had in, in the past was more about a business ministry to people who were employees of companies, right? But I kind of had this feeling inside of me that there's a whole group of people that's called to start stuff, right, and or do their yeah. own thing that we're not speaking to. So I started actually teaching like an entrepreneurship program back in 2008 that was that was kind of um, I was like a diversion from what they used to do was just teach about having faith at work. But I was taking more like how do you put your faith into your own thing to build it, um, and then I realized from there I just had the gift to advise Christian entrepreneurs. And I just realized that, you know, okay, this is definitely anointing because, like, when people share with me their situations, like, as, they, as they're sharing, I just hear the Holy Spirit telling me, okay, ask them this, ask them that, share this with them, right? So, like, there's a certain anointing I have to kind of just advise people in that particular area. And so I kind of – and it first started seeing that back in 2008. Now, one of the things that I've discovered on my own personal journey is that – because when I first started, I was, I'm a creative writer. I had a vision of writing, writing a book, writing a play, writing a movie. That, that was my vision. And mm-hmm. then the next thing you knew, God took me in all different kinds of other directions that I never thought that I would even venture into, sales and articles and things like that. And I had no idea that I even had the gifting in those in those various areas. And so mm-hmm. I can tell with with you personally, you know you know what that's like. So I want to speak to that person out there who says, you know, I, this is what I can do. This is this this is it. But I don't know if this is really going to, to bring me the wealth that I'm looking for. And so mm-hmm. how how can they how can they kind of navigate those those other areas and, and kind of branch out and start seeing where their gifting can take them? Mm-hmm. That's, good. That's a good point. Um, you, you, you mentioned, uh, will my gift bring the wealth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The gift probably can bring the wealth, but you got to do it differently than what's normal. Right. Like, say, for example, you have the mm-hmm. gift of being a teacher, right? That mm-hmm. gift of being a teacher will not bring you wealth if you're teaching elementary school. I mean, just not right. possible, right? Just the, 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 uh, the finances is not there for that to take place. And what you have to realize is that the more people your gift can touch, the wealthier you'll be. So now if you take that same example, if you're a teacher in gift, you have the gift to teach, then you could teach a classroom of 20 students, and you may make $20,000, $40,000 a year, right? Mm-hmm. But if you take that same gift and you could teach thousands 
then you can make then you can make thousands, right? So it's mm-hmm. all about right. how many people can you touch with your gift. So you can take your same gift and make a little or make a lot. It just depends on how you apply it and the right mindset you have going into it. Yeah, I love that. The more people your gift can touch, the wealthier you will be. I like yep. that. That's my that's the quote of the day. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And now let's get into a couple of scary things because um, people have, you know, you, you, everybody experiences crazy, scary situations. And one of the things that um, I'm dealing with personally is that there, you know, there's things that I'm, I'm, out, I'm putting myself out there. I'm taking leaps, taking scary chances. Mm-hmm. And then something happens that affects the very things that I need in order to make this leap. And mm-hmm. so speak to that person who's dealing with that. Yeah. So this is where your faith got to kick in, right? So mm-hmm. if you're not sure what you're called to do, then everything that comes up against you will knock you, knock you back and forth, right? You'll be like going back and forth, back and forth, wavering, right? It's, it's, it's a terrible state to be in. Okay. But if you're sure you know what you're called to do, it doesn't matter kind of what comes at it. You just know that you got to still go through it, right? right. You know, because, right. you know, cause like Ecclesiastes says, it's never – if you look at the wind, you look at the rain, you won't sow or you won't execute, right? So there's mm-hmm. always there's, – there's never a good time to implement your vision, as I like to tell people, right? Mm-hmm. There's always a reason why you mm-hmm. can't do it now, right? But now right. is always the best time to implement, right? So right. that's kind of that's kind of the paradox you kind of got to work out is like, there's always going to be reasons why you can't do it. There's going to be an unexpected bill somewhere. A car is going to break down here, right? Um, you may have a, a family emergency over there, right? But mm-hmm. we got to learn to navigate those trials in order to get to what we're called to do. I remember when I was in uh, pre-marriage counseling with my pastor, me and my wife. And I, I told my pastor, like, now it sounds crazy I even said this, but, you know, back then I was, you know, young. I, I said, you know, I said, me and my wife, you know, we get along fine until we got to deal with other stuff, like, you know, her, her working or going here. And he's laughing, and he said, that's life. It's like if, if y'all could live in a vacuum, basically, everything would be fine, but you don't, right? Right, right. <laughs> you know, right, so, right. so they're, 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 you almost got to expect that stuff is happening around you, right? And just realize mm-hmm. that you still got to go through it, right? Um, and you got to have a little patience about mm-hmm. the whole process. You got to have a little patience, right? right? Um, and in a, word, in, a, in a podcast I'm actually working on, probably coming up recently, um, maybe this week sometime, is that this concept that being broke is a, is a mindset about the future. It's not about the present, Right. So if you think about right now in the present, most people right now in the present, this very moment that we're talking to you, talking to us, they're rich right now in this very moment in the present, right? So right now in the present tense, you have everything you need, everything you desire kind of right now in the present tense. Now, the problem comes in when you think about like two months from now. Two months from now, Mm -hmm. we say, okay, I'm going to need X number of dollars to do this. Now you become broke because you look at your – provisions for the day, you say, okay, I don't have that today for two months from now, right? Now in your, now you feel broke. But if you think about yourself in just in this one day, you're good to go. So it's, it's, almost, it's like all that future worry makes us feel inadequate and broke. It's not, about, it's not the present reality that does it, right? So as entrepreneurs, we got to learn how to live more in the present tense and not worry about the future stuff that we're going to need coming up, basically. Hmm. I like that. I like that. We are almost coming down to the last 15 minutes of the show, if you can, can believe it. And if you are just tuning in, you are missing a great conversation with Amos Johnson of Church for the Entrepreneurs. If you have any questions, please call 347-539-5372 or send an email to anikepassionjourney at gmail.com. Um, another question is uh, another email question is for those who have a church home, how can people get more of your teachings? Um, the best way is just go online at churchandentrepreneurs dot com and just listen to our, our podcast. Um, when I, when I created the Church of Entrepreneurs, you know one thing God told me about it was that 
we're not uh, exclusive, right? So it's not that you have to leave your church to become our church type of thing. Um, we're we're right. here as a, a supplemental education to whatever you have going on in your local church. Now, for some people, mm-hmm. they don't have a local church, so for them, we will become their church. But for most Christians, you're connected somewhere. So the goal is not to, to leave where you're connected, but to use us as a teaching resource to kind of get the word from an entrepreneurial perspective on what you're called to do. Okay. Now, when it, talk to that person who wants to start a podcast, but they're, they're you know they they're kind of nervous of messing it up, or you know they don't they don't know what what things that they should avoid um, doing. And so, do you have any um, advice for that person who just says, I, I, don't, "I don't want to mess this up. What should I avoid doing?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, fortunately, the fear of messing up it doesn't really matter. Because more than likely, when you first start podcasting, you're not going to have enough people listen to you for it to matter. So you're going to be making mistakes when you, while you're unknown, right? So this is the perfect place to make mistakes. It's like I remember um, – I don't know if it was, I think I was watching Shark Tank or was watching um, The Prophet Show. And one – I always think about this. This guy came to the show, or this guy's lady, he said, you know – we have this great brand, and all these people know about us, and so we can't change things around. Well, they said, well, how many people know about you? He said, we got like a 1,000 people on the Facebook page know, knows about us, right? And they just laughed at him and said, that's nobody. You know, nobody, there's millions of people out there. You're talking about you complaining about 1,000 people, right? So right. if you fell on your face and you mess up, it's, we're only talking about a few hundred people that may know you did that, right? Mm-hmm. So have the freedom to make mistakes right now while you're unknown because once you become more known, you're not going to have that freedom to make those changes as you used to, right? right. It's almost like I, I, I tell people about, 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 about the, a sexual sin, for example, right? When you first get saved, if you slip up and you sleep around with somebody, it's a big deal, but it's not really a big deal, right? You know, you just, you just repent and say, I'm sorry, I, didn't, I messed up. But the, the longer you end Christianity and say you become a pastor, now you slip up in sexual sin. It'll destroy your whole life almost, right? So mm-hmm. it's almost mm-hmm. like in the early days you have a little more flexibility to make mistakes. So for the yeah. beginning podcasters, I would say go ahead and make your mistakes now. I would say just go mm-hmm. ahead and start a podcast and just close it two months from now. Just, just get practice with it, right, even if you know you're not going to do it. So I say the Church Entrepreneur mm-hmm. is like my second podcast, right? And actually, right, it may, right. I've had like three podcasts before, right? This, it may be third podcast almost. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it takes a while okay. to get, get, get everything down. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it really does. <laughs> especially coordinating <laughs> everything, and especially when you're doing it on your own, you coordinate the studio, you coordinate you know, the incoming questions. And so, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. <laughs> Now, I'm going to ask you, I love my Oprah questions. This is what I consider my Oprah question. Knowing what you know now, if you had the chance mm-hmm. to give yourself advice during the first year you became an entrepreneur, what would you tell that guy? A couple, I probably told him, one, don't neglect your family to go hard after the business. That would be the first thing I would tell myself. Two, I would I would have told myself to learn more about marketing before I got started. Um, and then three, I probably told myself sell something that people really want, that not what you think they want. And those those probably good three um, things I probably could have told myself when I first got started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you were talking about that earlier. You know, you have to know know your audience. <laughs> Yeah, it's very easy yeah. to say. I I think people would just absolutely love this, but yeah, yeah, get out like, there, like, really, not so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we treat business like it's like business is it's really selfish, right? We we create something that we <laughs> want. It's a selfish act, not creating something right. that somebody else's want, right? You know, there was a one right. guy I heard him say this. He, he was like, "Don't follow your passion. Follow what the marketplace wants." And mm. and I, when I first heard that, I was like, that's crazy, you know. But the more I think about it, it makes more sense to me now. It's like we have all these people following their passion, but they're not following what the marketplace wants. So we have a lot of people right. that's struggling and frustrated because they're not really aligning passions and marketplace dynamics together, right? 
there's a lot of passions I have that probably never make money, but they're still passions of mm-hmm. mine, right? right. And so we right. got to realize that we're, we're so multidimensional, right? You know, mm-hmm. we can't turn every single passion to a money-making thing. So. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, one of the things I discovered on this journey of mine is that, um, if, you know, I, once I discovered what my, my gifts are, I had to also look at what I really enjoy doing. Because, something, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have certain gifts, but you're really not going to invest as much if you don't enjoy it. <laughs> you know, you, I can be yep, excellent yep. in customer service, but absolutely just hate it unless I am selling what I love to sell. You know, I can't just go out there and be customer service anywhere. I have to actually sell what I love. So you, I, mm-hmm. I really think that it's important that you zero in on not only your gifts, but what do you actually enjoy doing so this can be long term. You agree? Yep, yep. It has to be because, like, now, like, as much as I said, we got to be careful with passion. Passion is still mm-hmm. important because passion, you, when you, the selling process is really a, a, a transmission of passion from you to somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're not sure about what you're selling and you're not passionate about what you're selling, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to have the ability to persuade someone to buy the thing, right? Right. And and I looked at myself. A lot of things I've I've sold in the past. I, I honestly, deep down, I was kind of shaky a little bit about some stuff, whether or not it worked or not. And the, mm-hmm. if I was shaky, the sales were terrible. The stronger I was mm-hmm. about this being a good thing, the better sales I had. Right? right. You know. So we can't downplay right. that. You got to really, really, you got to sell yourself first. If you're gonna create this right. product, you're gonna create this service. You got to convince yourself that this thing works. Right. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people really don't um, share the gospel with people because they don't believe it really works yet. Right. Because if you're mm. not really, really work, you'll share it more. Right. You know, because it's like right. you got to get that passion for it. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Absolutely. Now, um, let's talk wisdom because one of the things that I, I always think about is, and, you know, I'm going back to the whole idea of, I'm, I'm sorry, we get that background noise again. Um, sharing your ideas, you know, too much. And also one of the things I think about is who you actually talking to. Because some people, when they, you know, well-meaning, some, they can be well-meaning, but they can actually talk you out of the very thing that you're supposed to be doing because, it, oh, you know, it's going to take a lot for you to do. Oh, well, you know, it's going to take a lot of money. Well, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so... I, I think about, you know, just step, take a step back and, and use your own wisdom. You know, know what you actually did here and know who to talk to and who not to talk to. you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and most, people, most people you shouldn't talk to as family and friends because um, mm-hmm. you, you, you don't get skewed perceptions either good or bad. You'll right. get the perception of good, like you could do no wrong, so go do it. And, or you get the perception right. of this is a terrible idea, don't do it at all, right? You usually you really get that, right. that middle ground of that good, solid counsel, right, from family and friends. So right. my advice is always talk to strangers and talk to potential customers. Use that Absolutely. as your measuring tool. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I got a follow-up email from Kip, and she said that was a very helpful comment, Dr. Amos, about, um, uh, see, about messing, uh, messing, messing up early messing up earlier in your startup. She um, has a, her own business, and she, she's well aware of, you know, things kind of going, around, going away, you know, going wrong when you first start up, mm-hmm. when you first start up, because you really don't know what you're doing. And yeah, so, you, you, you know, don't. you're going to make those mistakes. Yeah. 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 So I, I think people so. think startup, people think entrepreneurship is like getting, up, getting into a baseball field, getting one pitch and hitting it out of the park on the one pitch. I think that's how they look at right. entrepreneurship, right? But they got to right. think about entrepreneurship as more like it's a career. It's a process. It's like it's something that you are learning and you're growing in. And I think our perception is skewed because a lot of the stories we read are the one-hit wonders stories, mm. right? Mm-hmm. We hear the story of the 20-year-old something that did this one time and it was great, right? You know, but mm-hmm. really what, you know, and I didn't realize this until I became over 40, right? About a couple, a long time ago, one, one guy told me, he said, the best entrepreneurs are probably about 45 years old. I was like, what? I said, that's like forever. Because I was in my 30s, right? I was like, man, <laughs> right. 
know. But now I'm getting older, I'm realizing what he meant meant by that now. It's like as you get older, yeah. you get more connections, you're more grounded, yeah. you see more things, yeah. and now you can make a little bit better decisions, you know. <laughs> That's true. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, one of the last questions, because we're down to the last five minutes of the show, and one of the last questions mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you was, because I, I actually had a phone consultation with you, and you talk to entrepreneurs, and people kind of just pick your brain, as I am doing today. And so mm-hmm. what is one of the most popular questions that you get on those consultations? Wow, popular questions. That's a good one. Uh, it's either a uh, hmm. That's a good one. Because what's funny is that they're they're not unique, per se. It's like I'm mm-hmm. talking to people from from Atlanta to Dubai, right? And everybody's mm-hmm. dealing with basically the same types of issues. So I kind of have a good – like, so when I counsel people, I have a good perspective because I've, I've heard the same thing multiple times, right? Um, mm-hmm. So either there's a block somewhere in what somebody's doing. Either there's a marriage block which means that the, the husband and wife are on bad terms because that, that will create a block in your, in your business. There's right. a block of, of just lack of faith, not being sure about mm-hmm. what you're called to do. And then there's a right. block of just being too broad with what you're, which, which, who your target market is. Most people want yeah. to sell to everybody in the world. Like I say, who's your product for? It's where anybody can use it, right? From the right there, you're dead in the water, Right. Right. You know, so like right. it's one it's one of those three things. Either your marriage is messed up, um, you 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 lack of you got a lack of faith, or just way too broad. So right. That's usually the product. I gave you three answers for one. So <laughs> excellent, excellent. And I think that is an excellent place to um, end our conversation. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know you too, from your schedule, you have so much going on, and I just really want to thank you for for, for um, taking the time. And this is actually one a leap for me because I wasn't sure you were going to say yes, but I was thrilled when you did. <laughs> so thank you so thank you so much. Glad to be on your show. Thank you, and you have a, a great day. And um, and uh, I just I wish you great success in everything that you do. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. And that was my conversation with Dr. Amos Johnson, founder of Church for the Entrepreneurs and author of Take Control of Your Financial Destiny, right here on Everyday Folks Radio. I want to thank you for taking the time out to listen today, and I hope that you received some information that really inspired and encouraged you and actually gave you um, great insight into what you need to do as an entrepreneur or business owner or a freelancer. Now, uh, make sure that you go to my Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Journey into Passion with an EKS. And also, next Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, DJ Speaks returns right here on Everyday Folks Radio. And he's going to talk about what's in store for 2017. And I'm sure he had a lot of exciting things, so don't miss it. 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, DJ Speaks right here on Everyday Folks Radio. Also, Don't forget me next Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time when I will be launching my health and fitness series with my guests, Shay Hood and Leslie Green Major. For those of you who have been listening to the show, you are very familiar with these awesome ladies, and I can't wait until we talk about what's coming up for the health and fitness series. Final thought, forget what you have done in the past. A new year is here. You have a fresh start. Take it from here and go after those things that you have been wanting And know this, you could be closer to your dreams than you think. So consider consider to take it to the next level when it comes to working towards your passions. Now, I was going to leave you with a song, Happy New Year, by Paul Golette III, but um, I I need a producer because, unfortunately, I don't know how to work some of these things out, but I will tell you that I'm going to make sure that I work it out by this Saturday. But make sure you pick up his Christmas Christmas This Year CD. It's also available on Amazon. And that's from Paul Goldat III, and I'm going to have the information on my Facebook page. And I just want to say, final, final thoughts, just make 2017 the year you take more chances, more leaps, because 
time life is life is short. Time is short. You don't know what's going to happen. So just take a chance on you. I hope you have a great new year. And as always, I wish you great success on your journey towards your passions. Have a great day. Do something great for yourself.